May 31st on a Tuesday. It's myself, Richie Allen. It's five o'clock here in Salford. How are you? Hope your day is going well. It's not great here. It's pretty grim up north. It's miserable. It's raining. It's pouring. Somebody is snoring. It's horrible up here. God forbid it's not great at the weekend, he says, tongue in cheek for the Jubilee. Maybe more on that later, maybe not. I've got a really good guest for you coming up this hour and then later on, would you believe, I'll be taking your telephone calls. It's Tuesday's Richie Allen Show. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Uh, it's been a while, but my great friend and colleague, Hayden Hewitt, will be on the programme this hour. Lots to talk about with Hayden. Lots. Always interesting, fascinating and funny. He's a top man, Hayden Hewitt, this hour. Don't miss him. A little bit later on, I'll take your phone calls. It's it's wide open. Call in. Have a chat with me. It's uh, it's not as if we're stuck for things to talk about now, is it? You can also make a comment or leave a comment for the programme via richieallen.co.uk, my website, where it says live comment. I know I say that every time, but new people. We've always got new listeners to consider. Alrighty. So yesterday was my bank holiday. I didn't plan it very well. I could have said something on Thursday last. I could have said something on Sunday, but it didn't really occur to me. I didn't want to take the bank holiday this coming Thursday. I didn't want to. Don't like it. Feels weird for me. Yesterday was supposed to be a bank holiday. They've shifted it to Thursday. Didn't like the idea of it. So I said to hell with it. I'll take yesterday off, which which was helpful because ordinarily on the regular bank holiday, everything is closed, or most things are closed. But with yesterday, of course, they weren't, because the bank holiday had been moved. But I took it, and uh, I had a nice day off yesterday. And in fact, after making the decision to take yesterday off and not Thursday, I was thinking, what am I going to do with myself? And then, out of the blue, I thought, why didn't I think of it before? And I headed down to Media City in Salford, which isn't far from where I live, very, very close to where I live, in fact. And I bought myself a cinema ticket. And, well, I tell you, I tell you, dear listener, I tell you. I bought myself a cinema ticket for the 10.45am showing of Top Gun Maverick. Yes. Now, have you seen this film yet? No, you haven't. I swear to God and his son Jesus that Paramount hasn't paid me any money to promote the film. It's, it's the best film ever made. That's, that's what I'm saying. No, no, it's not. It's not the best film ever made. No, it's not, no. It's, uh, it's wonderful, though. I'm so glad I got to see it in cinema and not on flat-screen television. Great thing. I, I don't know if you were a fan of the original film. I was. I went to see it in the Regina Cinema in Waterford in 1986 when I was 11. Uh, no publicity or anything like that. Nobody knew what it was. Nobody ever heard of Tom Cruise. And as children, of course, we loved it. It's a big deal for children who grew up in the late 70s and in the 80s. So we watched it 10,000 times on DVD, VHS, Betamax and Blu-ray, didn't we? And then the sequel came out 36 years later. And I've got to say congratulations to them for not screwing it up. 
that is, it must have been difficult to, you know, not to screw it up. Uh, just great, great, not great story, good story, brilliantly shot, brilliantly acted, and fairly emotional, according to the Mail Online today. Uh, Top Gun should be a safe place for man tears. Apparently thousands of men have admitted crying over Tom Cruise's sequel. It made $248 million at the box office on a record opening weekend. Maverick is making dudes and dads cry in theatres. Somebody said something on Twitter about crying. And it's, it kicked off a slew of men going on Twitter and saying, yeah, I was bawling. I was bawling. Were you bawling, Baldy? Were you bawling, Baldy? Not really. A couple of lump in throat moments. Yeah. In the film and at the end. It was such an enjoyable uh, experience. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah, I could say that. Yeah. My mate Tez was crying. Tez went to see it on opening day. He couldn't stop crying, so much so that eventually the manager came and told him to stop howling or he'd be thrown out of the cinema. He had to force himself to stop crying. So that's Top Gun Maverick. I recommend it. If you're of that genre, if you're of that era and you loved it, you won't be disappointed. And the aeronautical stuff, the aerobatic sequences are absolutely unbelievable. I mean, they are. It, you won't be able to watch the original film again without it looking dated when you see this. Anyway, I'm going to leave it. Um, my better half is going to see it later in the week. She can't wait. My turn to mind the dogs. The time is six minutes past the hour. Uh, you may have seen this on my website, but the Education Secretary Nadim Zahawi was chased out of a university by the spawn of Ed Balls and Yvette Cooper. Yvette Cooper and Ed Balls had a son. Why wasn't the son taken to a desert somewhere and buried 500 feet under the ground? I've no idea. But they had a son. His name is Joel, Joel or Joel, Joel Cooper, named after his mammy. And um, this is a university campus. So Zahawi was accused of inciting hatred through his definition of the word woman. He was at the University of Warwick on Friday and he was met there by a couple of dozen student protesters who chanted things like Tory scum, how original, and Zahawi is a transphobe. It's a ridiculous term, transphobe. You know, the, the notion that somebody is scared of a bloke in a dress is... I can't get my head around it. We might come back to it. So according to the Telegraph, the cabinet minister had to be ushered away from campus by security guards in dramatic scenes. He was pursued by activists brandishing trans flags and placards. What's a trans flag? Is there a trans flag? I've never seen one. So they ran after him. He was like brave Sir Robin in the Holy Grail. <laughs> you can sing it to yourself and change the words around for Nadim Zahawi. Brave Nadim Zahawi. He tucked his tail and he bravely fled when the trans activists were after his head. Brave, brave, brave Nadim Zahawi. He ran away from trans activists. Anyway, they were pissed right off that he was uh, coming into the school to speak. They tried to get it cancelled. They failed. So uh, eventually they do what they do. They just came and screamed. They're fed up that he said that a woman is an adult human female. They don't like that. That's hate speech, apparently. Um, this is all to do with the Labour Party collapsing in on itself, 
when asked to define a woman or whether a woman can have a penis. Some Tory MPs and Tory ministers have had great crack altogether with this. No pun intended. And uh, they've uh, no crack whatsoever, you see. Trans woman, no crack whatsoever. That's a terrible... That's rude, that. You can't have any crack with a trans woman. There you are. <laughs> trans woman. So, so yeah, so they, they, they ran him out of the hall. Tory scum. And off he ran. That's pathetic, running away from trans women. So, um, he... This has made all the newspapers today. It's made the news today as well. And I tell you what I found funny was uh, a paragraph in the Telegraph story. The Warwick Student Union's Society for, wait for it, lesbian, gay, bi, plus, trans, undefined, asexual, aromantic society. What groups are you a member of there, Richie? Well, I am a member of the chess club. I'm also a member of the Mathematics Club. I wouldn't be now. I was useless. I failed maths more times than you've had hot dinners. Uh, I'm a member of the, the, the Mathematics Club. I'm in the Science Club as well. And I'm also in the Lesbian, Gay, Bi, Plus, Trans, Undefined, Asexual, Aromantic Club. Asexual, Aromantic, Undefined. <laughs> they said he plays a significant role in institutionalised transphobia. These people are idiots, aren't they? Morons. Who gives a damn if somebody is undefined or asexual or aromantic or straight or gay? Who cares? Why do these idiots continue to define themselves in these ways? That's the question that nobody in the mainstream media wants to ask. Even the, what we call the mainstream light media, like talk radio and GB news, they won't take this on. By bringing on one of these goons, these youngsters, and saying, why is it that you want me to know that you're non-binary or undefined? Why are you so determined to tell me? I don't give a fuck what you are. I'm not remotely interested. And it kind of annoys me that you want me to know, and you're, you're daring me to say something about it. You're challenging me to say that, yeah, well, that's cool. That's fine, that's okay. When I really couldn't care less. Remember that? Silence is violence. That's that's what this is really all about. This notion, this idea, which has um, kind of come home to roost, really, in, in the most recent years. This idea that it's not good enough to just mind your own business. If you're not actively standing up against homophobia, racism, or transphobia, if you're not actively doing it, you'll be seen to be enabling the transphobes and the racists. So this is a very dangerous thing. This is the same kind of idea as Muslims should speak out publicly if there's a terrorist attack somewhere. Like my pal in Rochdale should speak out. He should go public and say that he's against it. Why? Why should he do that? Don't we naturally assume, because he works for a company in Rochdale and because he drives a car and he has a family and they go to the football every Saturday, and they, they go to the mosque. Shouldn't we naturally assume that he doesn't support terrorism? Why should he have to make a public statement on it? And that's kind of what's going on with these idiots. You know, transphobe, please, like, who, who could be scared of a man who believes he's a woman? You know, a woman is an adult human female, it's as simple as that. 
Um, but don't criticise Joel Cooper, Yvette Cooper's son. Don't. Leave him alone. The ever-fecking state of his parents, right? What chance did he have with Yvette Cooper as a mother? So leave him alone. Don't give a damn if you're asexual or aromantic. This defining stuff like this. Who starts off describing themselves by stating their sexual preferences? Who does that? It was never the case, was it? What did we used to put on our bios years ago? I mean, you didn't have many opportunities years ago to write a little bio about yourself. Maybe when the internet first came in. Maybe when you were writing your first curriculum vitae or your resume. You had to put a little bio. You know, maybe if you joined a dating site. Something I never did. I, I never did. I thought about it when I was a single man working on radio. No time for dating. I thought about it, but I never did it. It was different back then. You had to make videotapes of yourself. I, I'm just too lazy for that shite, like. It's easier now. You just grab your phone and you take, take a selfie of yourself. You whack up some information. Back then you had to make a VHS tape. You had to send it into an agency. Give over. Who needs that shite, like? You know what I mean? That's how I used to think about it. Know what I mean? Know what I mean? Know what I mean? As my traveller friend says, know what I mean? Yes, I know what you mean. But who starts off describe, describing themselves by stating their sexual preferences? Like when you made your bio, say, years ago for your CV, your resume, for your dating tape, or whatever, you said something like, uh, Richie Allen, 22, uh, or 20-something white male. I always lied, or I would have always lied and said I was good-looking. 20-something white male, good-looking, considered to be good-looking. Interests, films, books, football, music. Boring as arseholes. Boring. That's the sort of shite, right? 20-something white male, uh, into films, books, theatre. You always had to lie. Classical music, lie. Just lie. She might think you're somehow refined, cultured, and of course you're not. Like She'll find that out when she meets you, right? But that's what you would have done. But today... It's like Aidan Dillon, she, her, trans, non-binary, queer. What the fuck is that? I don't care what you are. What do you do? What are your values? What are you into? Aidan, she, her, trans, non-binary. It's nonsense. Why did they do it? And why did they believe that everyone else should know about it? And why are they increasingly uh, demanding of society that society makes some... That people in society make some proclamation along the lines of, we stand by you and we support you. I don't. I don't give a shit about these lunatics. Couldn't care less about them. And that's the way the world should be. I don't care about you. I don't give a damn about you. What your sexuality is, who you go to bed with, what you watch on television, with who, what your stupid pronouns are, I couldn't give a shit. We value other human beings by their actions, not by how they define themselves. Their narcissistic tendencies. We don't care. Don't give an arse. Are you nice? Are you helpful? Are you kind? Do you treat people well? Are you reliable? Are you a good neighbour? Are you? Fantastic. I don't give a shit who you're shagging then. That's irrelevant to me. As long as it's somebody over 18 years of age. It's 16 minutes past the hour. This is a very serious story, but again, the media won't really go for it because the media doesn't go for these things. Britain has fewer hospital beds than all European Union nations except Sweden. 
the country, Britain, has uh, lost 25,000 beds in the last decade alone. This is the Royal College of Emergency Medicine. It's done a very good piece of analysis. It's produced a report that says hospitals are fit to bursting and that this is putting patients' lives at risk. This must be kept in mind because the lying bastards in the government and the witch doctors, Chris Whitty and Patrick Valance, they said that lockdowns were necessary in order to, to, what did they say? Not to save the NHS, but to protect the NHS. We must protect the NHS from being overwhelmed. Therefore, you have to stay at home and not go to work and live on government handouts while your business goes down the toilet. We're doing it to protect the NHS. But these liars have been systematically destroying the NHS deliberately for years. So they mentioned 25,000 beds in the last decade. You know what really pisses me off today? I stole that article or borrowed it from the Times and the Times failed to mention that since 1988 or between 1988 and today, let's say it properly, you do speak English, Baldy. Yes, I do. Today, there's less than half the beds than there was in 1988. Not a mention of that today. Not a dicky bird. That's astonishing. The Times must know that. So the Royal College of Emergency Medicine report is very good, very important. 25,000 beds gone in the last 10 years. But go back a bit further and you'll see that back in 1988, there was about 299,000 beds. In 2020, that had dropped to 141,000, even though the country had grown by approximately 12 million people. So you don't have to be Alfred Einstein, wink, to know that's catastrophe. That's interesting that in the Times, but nobody wants to touch it, you know. COVID lockdown is justified by the need to protect the NHS from being overwhelmed when the NHS wasn't fit for purpose to begin with anyway. As we know, because every single winter, every single winter, every one of them, ever since I became a journalist, uh, they cry, they cry, they keen, they wail, they moan about the fact that they are being overwhelmed. And that's just in a mild to moderate to slightly heavy flu season. 25,000 in the last decade alone. It's deliberate, of course. Nobody in the media thought about mentioning this during the ridiculous press conferences delivered from Downing Street by Boris Johnson and Tweedledum and Tweedledee, the goons that were the chief scientific officer and the chief medical officer. Nobody in the media thought to mention. You can't ask us to cease living in order to protect the NHS because it isn't fit for purpose. Pal, you and your mates ruined it. Yeah, yeah, you weren't always in government, but Tony Blair's your mate. You know that. Gordon Brown. You all piss in the same pot, you know. Or in the same pond. Before that, John Major. Before that, Thatcher. You wrecked it. Left it absolutely useless. And on that story, just to move on from it, just to, to, to kind of take a sidestep, there's a new study. It's an NHS study. And it suggests that more than 3,000 people died because of a lack of diabetes checks resulting from the first lockdown. Imagine, more than 3,000. 
would be alive if it wasn't for lockdown. They say that moving to a more remote form of healthcare meant that face-to-face examinations didn't take place in the 12 months after the first lockdown. Good bit of journalism in the Telegraph today. 3,000. That's just diabetes. What about everything else? What about cancer? Kidney failure? Stroke? Heart disease? Mental illness? How many people do we do we imagine, may have died because they couldn't get face-to-face treatment within 12 months of the first lockdown. How many? I asked a question today on the website. 50,000 maybe? 100,000? Half a million maybe? We know that 150,000 people did not die of COVID-19 in this country, contrary to the claims made by NHS England. We know that is a lie. The left and right wing newspapers in this country have called out that lie. Died within 28 days of testing positive for COVID. It was a scam all along. The time is 21 minutes past five. This is the Richie Allen Show. Leave uh, comments for me via my website, richieallen.co.uk. Round about 45 minutes' time, I'll take your calls for about 45 minutes, coincidentally. Here are the details. I will ask Roger to put the meme on the Facebook page. Right? It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Right. It is uh, Hayden Hewitt will be joining me shortly from North Manchester. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, like I said, drop a comment into me. Where are the comments? Where are the comments? Oh, yeah, there they are. I didn't have the tab open. That happens sometimes. Open a tab. Great, great three words. Open a tab. Which he says the NHS has deteriorated over the years with the loss of matrons on the wards. I remember visiting my father in hospital. The beds were spotless, his side cabinet spotless, and the nurses efficient, tidy, and staff uniform uniforms were immaculate, says Witchy. Thanks so much for that. My memory of being in hospital when I was young with very bad pneumonia, when I was 15, in Ireland, in Waterford Regional Hospital, was fairly similar to that. It was spotless. Yeah. Absolutely. Chris says case numbers up, bed numbers down, equaled the so-called second wave. That's right. Gaz Bob says, I've always thought live and let live about most things in life. Now that's no longer enough. I have to live and learn and listen and watch what I say, watch what other people say, etc, etc. Not being racist or homophobic isn't enough now. No, it isn't. I said on this show a long time ago, I said it recently, a time is coming when the youth of this country will be expected to sign declarations. I'm telling you. It will not be good enough to keep your own counsel. I've said this a thousand times over the years. I'm not a curmudgeonly person by nature. I can be. But I'm streetwise when it comes to authority and when it comes to dealing with people um, who I don't know. So if I'm asked questions about opinions, I generally say I tend to keep those... um, I I tend to keep that to myself. I tend not to talk about those things. Or, you know, my opinions are private, thanks. 
what do you think of this trans stuff then? Do you think trans women are women? Um, what, what I think is nobody's business, really. What? I just told you, my thoughts on it are my own. I don't intend to be broadcasting them. Now, of course I do on this programme, but I'm talking, you know what I'm talking about. I, I think in the near future, that won't be good enough. That will be a sign that you are harbouring some resentment or some intolerance for the minority of the day, whichever one it is. Trans people, uh, people of colour, whatever. Yeah. Do you go along with that, do you? Do you go along with the idea that there are too many immigrants in the country? Um, well, I don't tend to talk about that sort of thing. I tend to keep my thoughts to myself. That's not good enough. We want to know what you think about migrants. My thoughts are private. My actions are public. Judge me on my actions. We've got lots of people of colour in the company, have we not? Yes, we do. I get on okay with them. Do you? Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, my thoughts on immigration are none of your business. End of story. But like I said, not going to be easy to do that or say that in the near future. Craig says, from a certain point of view, not using the NHS is protecting it, just as not accessing the countryside would protect that as well. Uh, thank you. Hi to Diane Hughes, hi to Banjo, uh, who says Yvette Cooper likes to caress balls. Yes. Well, that's, that's imagining that they have a normal, healthy husband and wife relationship, which they might do, what do I know? Richard Kelly says they're a bunch of lang they're a bunch of langers, boy. They are. They are indeed. I to Colin who says, Good evening, Richie and fellow listeners. Good evening, Colin. Greg says, perhaps these unhinged individuals Oh no, that's uh, a comment from another time. Okay. It's time for some music. When we return, you and I, hopefully we will be joined by the one and the only the great Hayden Hewitt. <laughs> This is the Richie Allen Show, live from Salford with me, Richie Allen. This is R.E.M. What's the frequency, Kenneth? What's the frequency, Kenneth? Yeah, R.E.M. What's the frequency, Kenneth? It's half five, the Richie Allen Show, Tuesday's programme. May 31st, summer tomorrow. I know it isn't really. I know it isn't. I know the, the calendar people. I know the calendar people. They say, no, it isn't. They say, no, it isn't. It's not, they say... I don't know what date it's officially supposed to start, but I go by the, I go by the December, January, February is winter, March, April, May is spring, June, July, and August is summer. Could be wrong. My guest uh, this hour, a great friend of mine, terrifically talented bloke, broadcaster, musician, these days filmmaker, director, producer of excellent films. We'll talk about some of those. In a moment, let's welcome back to the show, live from North Manchester, the one and only Hayden Hewitt. Welcome back. Hello, my how are you doing? Brilliant. You've got it. I, I always think of asking you this and then I don't, for, because it's just so childish. I, I think when, when you come on first to ask you just to do the in a world. In a world. In a world. Fantastic. <laughs> Hayden does a bit of this, by the way. He's got the voice for it, you see, the bastard. He's got everything except good looks. <laughs> except good looks. <laughs> says, oh, yeah, you definitely go. Says the oil painting. Oil yes, yeah. says the oil painting here. Before, before, um, I you want. You are to... an oil painting, dude. Maybe a Picasso, but still. <laughs> a Piscasto, maybe, yeah. Tell me this. I, I was talking a, a couple of moments ago 
about um, how there was a time when people, men and women, would 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 rightly guard their thoughts and their opinions if they felt they should be guarded. Somebody might ask you about something, and you might say, "Well, you know, that's that's my business," or I, you know, I tend to keep my thoughts private on on those matters. Yeah. That's not going to be possible unless some changes happen. Um, I, I, I'm genuinely concerned for people in the workplace, maybe coming into it, maybe people going to uni. It, it, I'm, I'm thinking of Nadim Zahawi now at the university on Friday getting chased out yes. by trans activists. I, and you know, I, I, I have a feeling, remember this idea of silence is violence, that it's not good enough just not to be a racist. You've actually got to be doing something that can be seen to demonstrate you're not racist. I, yeah. I'm concerned about that. Do you think we're kind of marching to that place where you won't be allowed to say, well, I just tend to just keep my thoughts to myself? Um, gosh, I think it depends on where you are and what you're doing. Um, we're clearly entering a part of the uh, the pendulum, part of the swing of the pendulum that's towards a tremendously authoritarian left as opposed to tremendously authoritarian right. And it really is. It's like, you know, no, you tell me. You tell me and you agree. If you don't agree with me, I will ruin you. Because yeah. that's where we're at. You know, it's like, no, not only must you have an opinion, you must tell me the opinion, and it must be the right opinion. Yeah. We've seen it on everything from wearing masks to, to vaccinations to, 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 you know, the, the identity politics that we're seeing now. It's, you know, you are not allowed to go, oh, just leave me out of it, mate. You know, more and more, um, this is happening. But I think the death of this lies as it gets into the the wider public, you know, because it's all well and good on social media at universities in London and places like that. But I don't know how well this is going to fly, for example, in a boozer in Hull. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and that's that's where this shit yeah. dies to death. You know, that's yeah. where it ends. Funny you, you know, say right that. now we're in a situation on social media where you can say, "Well, it's not wrong to be a paedophile as long as you're not acting on it. You can't help how you are." Yeah, that's acceptable. If you said that in a pub near me, you they, might get chinned. Teeth out. Yeah, yeah. So we, that's we... where this stuff dies as they push further and further to get to to get a grip of. The majority of people, that's the beach it dies on, is when it hits ordinary everyday folks that aren't part of identity politics. But is that that not a generational thing, though? Excuse the interruption. I agree with you up to a point. Is that not generational? um, Is that not determined by generational... I, how do I say this, what I'm trying to say? I agree with this. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. And I don't think it is because, um, I mean, I don't talk to many young people because obviously they're insufferable now that I'm of a proper age. <laughs> but, um, yeah. you know, you see more and more young people and oh, that's just mental. You know, we're, we only get, you know how it is, Richie, you only hear the sensational, you're only exposed to the ridiculous. Universities have always been hotbeds of foolishness and ridiculous things and now they've just got this to play with well, do you think they always were do you, do you think they because um, i remember my time degree, at salford I mean, and everything was on the table when it came to having discussions and nobody like oh well, yeah this is new this is a new wrinkle yeah. this is definitely new this this you know you you must be seen to be virtuous 
at all times. But this, like all things, will pass. It's just going to take a while because it's gotten a lot deeper than many people realise into the police with the non-crime hate incidents, which Fair Cop and Sarah Fillimore successfully won their case, and Harry Miller. The uh, non-crime hate incidents are uh, wrong, unconstitutional and terrible. And the royal, and everyone agreed the court case went to, they won. The College of Policing still advises police forces to record these things. It's still re- asking them to do it. Here, here's, yeah. here's a question again. I'm not putting you on the spot and this is more complex than just yes or no, I'm well aware of it. So you can take all the time you want to answer this. Do people have the human right to hate, do they? As long as that never um, bleeds into violence or sabotage. Violence, obviously, we know what that means, but sabotage, whereby you work passively, aggressively to try and harm somebody's prospects because they're gay or because they're black. So if if if, if somebody doesn't do the passive-aggressive stuff and if they don't resort to violence, should they have the right to hate? Just for People no reason. Hate whatever they like, can't they? What, what goes on inside your own head, your yeah. business? I think hate is another word that's been diluted horribly. Because hate is a very emotional state. Yeah. You know, it, it requires a lot of energy, a lot of effort <laughs> to actively <laughs> hate. You know? No good comes um, of it, yeah. Most of us don't give a shit or just don't like it. You know, and, and, and that's fine. But if you do hate, if you don't do anything about it, what goes on in your head? It, it's your business. I hate anchovies. Hate them. <laughs> hate them. Nasty, salty little buggers. Yeah. I don't recommend everyone else shouldn't be allowed to eat them because I don't like them. And I think that's the problem we've got now. Yeah, that's you know, right. You just, you're not allowed to say, ah, I don't like that. You, you do what you want, but I don't like it. You're not allowed to say that now. It's very strange. It's very strange. And I find it, the older I get, the stranger it seems. Yeah. Because as you get older, you realize you don't actually know everything. No. And uh, there's a lot more you don't know than you ever will know. But uh, when we were young, we all knew everything as well. Um, so that's why you get this generational gap where you can't talk to each other about some topics because, you know, oh, you're young, you don't understand, or you're old and you just don't get it. And that's still alive and well. Apparently ageism is still okay. You know, um, they call me old, they call me bald, as if I hadn't noticed. Yeah, but that has never worked. Fat, that's never well, well, you're not really fat. That's that's Doesn't never. Matter. But you that's know, they can't call no, me fat no. because that's that's fat shaming. <laughs> the fat shaming, yeah. The, the, bold, <laughs> bold has never. I I don't know of any man or woman. Well, maybe women because it's more difficult for women. It's definitely definitely more difficult for a woman to deal with baldness or alopecia. But uh, mm. I don't know of a man. I've never crossed paths with a bald man. Who was ever more? Who was ever anything other than amused when he was called a baldy bastard? Yeah, well, I mean, someone just won a case, didn't they? <laughs> someone won a sex discrimination case. Yeah, I, I read that in the Telegraph a week or so that ago. That was yeah. fantastic. I completely forgot about. It. I'm glad you reminded me. I'm going to bust out. But that's outrageous, though, isn't it? It's outrageous that you. That it is, it's utterly a protected characteristic is baldness now. It's a protected well, characteristic. I, now, I, now that I've remembered, I'm going to use that on Twitter. <laughs> Get <laughs> people banned. Someone suspended for it. <laughs> you, you balderphobe, you. You balderphobe. How dare you How mock dare my you? disability. Yeah, my disability. <laughs> Fantastic. 
Uh, there must be a study somewhere, some academic institution has done a study. I know there has been one actually that suggests that the bald guy is less likely to get the job if he is equally as qualified as the other candidates. Um, there's a wonderful episode of The Simpsons. Sneaky, Richie. Oh. Sneaky and underhand. It's a wonderful episode of The Simpsons many, many years ago when Homer steals money from the company to buy a moxinil which makes him grow a head of hair like Eddie Van Halen or, or David Lee Roth. And all these prospects at the company, he, he gets promoted and he's fantastic. And in the end, he's got to do a speech because everybody loves him. But in the meantime, before the speech, he loses the amoxin and his hair falls out. And as he's talking and he's delivering a pretty decent speech as it happens, someone goes, who's this guy? He doesn't even have hair. But there is, there is, there, there are studies done to say that it does impinge on your prospects if you are follically challenged, yeah. It's done me no well, harm, Hayden. I think we need to, we need a flag. We need a flag. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if we can get on the LGB one as well. And, and a march. another B at the end. And a march. Yes, we, oh, we definitely need to march. Imagine that. Pride, pride is all, oh, heads. brilliant, brilliant. I, I'm going to get straight on to right said, Fred. So, so pride, <laughs> pride is already taken. We've got to come up now with a name for it. Bold pride. Bold pride. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, and you can all the family can come. There won't be any puppies and latex nonsense going on. All that yeah, crap. Yeah. The bigots can say it was a choice. It's a choice. <laughs> you know what like they do with homosexuality? Yes, you just yeah, chose you to be bold. chose to be bold, yeah, that's right. Hayden Hewitt is our guest. So that's the lighter side of this. But um, <laughs> the, the darker side of it is, until this evens itself out, as you think it will do, and, and God knows, I hope you're, you're right, in the meantime, it's destroying people. You and I have chatted oh, it's, privately it's about this. It's tearing the, lives apart. It's, you know, people losing jobs. yeah. Graham Linehan, your pal. Perfectly reasonable things. Perfectly. It's not unreasonable to say women don't have a penis. It's no. not unreasonable to say a man can't be a woman and a woman can't be a man. You know, it's these things aren't unreasonable, yet for some reason now, they're terrible things to say. Do you and think? Of course they're terrible because the truth. Do you think someone is going to be killed eventually? You, you know, oh, by, by one of these it's activists. It's almost inevitable, isn't it? And you know, yeah. the, the worst part is the people who will be damaged the most by all this will be the actual people with gender dysphoria, actual you know, trans people who, you know, I'm sure it's an absolutely torturous condition for those that have it. Um, they're the ones that will suffer in the end because the rest of them will just walk off. Yeah. They'll just, they'll just bugger off and carry on with lives. If someone is killed, it will be they, they will be used as a martyr, no doubt about it, no doubt about it, and it's kind of inevitable the, the way that it is going. I mean, they had that women's meeting in Manchester a week or two ago. Remember that um, by the Pankhurst statue, uh, right? Posey Parker. Yeah, yeah, and the, the trans people wouldn't let the women near the Pankhurst <laughs> statue. That's right. <laughs> and they didn't realise how terrible these optics were. No. You know, it's like, well, Pankhurst would have stood up for us. No, mate. <laughs> no, mate. No, no, she she definitely wouldn't have stood up for the bloke. No. Um, it was, It's all just awful. I mean, I've kind of, the last few weeks, just pulled away a bit because there's too much insanity. There's too much insanity for me not to bluntly say what I think. And, you know, I've kind of 
I've not calmed myself down in the way I approach things. But, you know, the guys in Black Octopus and a couple of other people said, don't get banned. Don't get banned. So since they said that, I've been suspended three times. But not so, yet But not yet banned. Not yet banned. Um, but, yeah, I've just pulled away for a couple of weeks to concentrate on some other bits and pieces and uh, logged back in and just the insanity is just there. It's just there waiting for me. Let me um, change subject. We will talk about your film Lips in a moment, which is fantastic. Good. It is, by the way. I know I know there will be those who say, ah, it's his pal, he's being sycophantic. I'm not, it's brilliant. It really is. Uh, with James Dreyfus in it, which it's, it's, it's just a great little, creepy little slice of, it's just a very a good short film. Story. Yeah, it's very good, yeah. So we'll talk about that in a minute, where people can watch it and what you're doing. Um, interesting that information is coming to light now. Two very important studies emerged this week, yesterday and today. One of them saying that um, the country has lost 25,000 hospital beds in the last 10 years, number one. Uh, hospitals are fit to bursting, and this is putting patients' lives at risk. That came from the Royal College of Emergency Medicine. And on the same day that came out, an NHS study, to its credit, like you know, telling the truth or up to a point, um, more than 3,000 people have died because of a lack of diabetes checks in the 12 months after the first lockdown. They oh, couldn't get face well, to face. revised their figures. That's they right. Revised. Do you remember when they said originally it was going to be 250,000 people would die due to lockdown? That's right. Which means the government chose to kill those people. Yeah, that's right. They've upscaled it to 500,000 within 10 years. So within 10 years, half a million people, at least, I imagine, will probably die because of measures to, pre- to prevent the spread of a respiratory disease, well said, respiratory and, illness. Well said. And at the same time, it's the, the whole story about 150,000 dying of COVID has basically fallen apart because the number of, obviously a number of Which, studies, that's right, within 28 days of a positive test, but the Sunday Times and the Telegraph, two polar opposite newspapers in theory, but you're supposed to have, you know, centre left and, and right wing, um, saying, look, uh, the way that they were categorising these debts is basically farcical. Yeah, it was, well, we knew that at the time. Yeah, we, we knew, knew that, that at the time, time, yeah. But people are attracted by fear and sensationalism. You know, I know people personally that were very, very ill with it. I only know one person who, who passed away with it. Everyone can believe what they want about it. I'm just saying what I saw. I also know, you know, I know people that were killed as a consequence of our reaction to that. We handled it dreadfully. Luckily, not quite as badly as China, but we still handled it dreadfully. And um, we, we, we've, you know, we've left a hangover for the next generation, at least, to deal with for us. That be- also, that being said, though, the people who were going to die die anyway. Yeah, yeah. That being that that being said, I I don't believe for a moment that this will in any way prevent future lockdowns for other no, illnesses. No. It's not going to. It yeah, it's going no, to come back. Precedent now. This. I mean, you've already got people mumbling about monkeypox. You know, oh, we should have some form of uh, controls for monkeypox. Oh, please piss off. Yeah. Just piss off. Just if, if I get monkeypox, I'll go and get an injection. Well, apparently, not only that, you shouldn't have sex for about eight weeks, they're saying. 
I'm 50, that's not a problem. Yeah, same here. <laughs> I'll have a sandwich instead. It's same fine. here. This is honest. This but is, no, yeah. It's just nonsense. It's all, but now that they've done it, of course, it'll be easier to do again. Of course. All they've got to do is sell the right amount of fear and people will queue up for it. They love it. Did you notice uh, uh, masks? Class people really did love lockdown. Oh, they loved it. Did you notice when Monkey Box was first um, mentioned on on uh, on the media or in the media, masks began to appear in little oh. pockets of places. I, I noticed it here in Salford. Well, here's believe one it. for you. Going back to what we said, kind of earlier, the LGB Alliance, which is that has been gay and bisexual um, group, have just been kicked off Twitter. Because they recommend, with the, the, the spread of monkeypox, which is disproportionately uh, within the gay community, to shut down all the bathhouses and things like that. Go on. Which is quite a reasonable, common sense thing, isn't it? Like, all right, everybody, don't swap bodily fluids till we find out what's going on. Because the gay community have been through something pretty bad like that before, I'm sure we all know. Yeah. And they've been kicked off Twitter for saying that. <laughs> Apparently that's hate. Is it? It's Why? Hate for being because sense, it, you know, the monkeypox will spread. It will spread. I suppose some yeah. some gay people might argue that the LGB alliance is basically using an old trope that gay people are more promiscuous. It would be a very strange trope for a gay organisation to use. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're they're all gay. It's funny because older gay men, at least the ones I knew, they would have said, "Yeah." We, we are a bit more promiscuous. I used to have these conversations with my old boss um, about the fact that, you know, many of his friends were in open relationships, whereas I had a very kind of puritanical, I don't know, old-fashioned, some would say old-fashioned approach. I would say, no, it's 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 the moral. I, I, I don't understand the idea of open I, relationships. You know what, I, I, well, I, I mean, I'm not hugely knowledgeable. I'm both the blokes, Okay. And if you get blokes that are attracted to other blokes, there's going to be a lot of sex. A lot of sex, yeah. There's going to be a lot. There's going to be loads. My mate Andy... And it seems like they have a very good time. I mean, good luck to them, you know. My, my mate Andy Hunter, who is who is gay, he vehemently disagrees with this. And he makes some good points, you know, again, because it is a generalisation on my behalf, but I'm sticking to it. It isn't uh, in any way a judgment. I don't judge when I say it, but I, I think probably gay men probably do tend more towards promiscuity than than straight people. And that's not for a minute to say that that there aren't plenty of straight people who do the swinging thing and have open... Well, I think a lot of it is just the blokes. Yeah, the just blokes. blokes. And, and, you know, if women were like blokes, we'd all be probably far more promiscuous as well. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know. I'm the wrong person to ask. I've been with the same person since I was 21. Yeah. You know, and never straight. So... I might not be the right person to ask, but it's just blokes being blokes. And they just happen to like other blokes. And they've booted the LGB alliance off of Twitter for saying, let's Apparently close. So, I yes, didn't even know that bathhouses was actually a thing. That'll tell you how sheltered I am. I can't believe that. Well, I, I only know because I've read it on Twitter. Yeah. It's just, you know, I guess it's... Breaking news. I thought these things were... <laughs> Old I, men find out about bathhouses. Yeah, bathhouses. I thought these things were the exclusive domain of Germany and Eastern Europe and places like that. But, but apparently not. Hayden Hewitt is our guest. We're putting the world... The world we should do a podcast on men's health, me and you. It'd be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> 
two men that don't have sex very often. They're two t- totally unqualified. Don't know very much about much. No, we yes. don't know very much about much, but we got plenty of opinions, even though we know, <laughs> even though we know squat all. Um, what what what's remarkable about you is that you had a career in in film, and it wasn't amateur stuff like you were doing the real thing. Um, for for some years way back when, you've now launched Black Octopus Productions. You've made some films already, some short films. I've enjoyed them. I really enjoyed Lips. I watched Lips when I was in Ambleside up at the lakes yes. uh, some weeks back. And uh, that lazy arse that I call a missus was in bed and I'd, I'd been out walking the dogs. So I came back and I thought, lovely, I'll, I'll use my phone to connect it to the telly and I'll sit there and watch it. And, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm not going to give too much away. You don't want to give any spoilers away. But it's set in a pub. James Dreyfus is in it. You'll remind me of the other actor's name in a moment. And yeah, yeah, very good. Both of them, well, obviously Dreyfus is excellent. He's great pedigree. So so he's sitting there and he's having a drink and this bloke comes in, this annoying bloke comes in and starts basically annoying him. He asks him for a drink. He asks uh, James Dreyfus's character, will you get me a drink? Or he offers him a drink because he feels like he has to offer him a drink. And then he commences the annoying character commences to tell him a story, which is kind of, how do you say macabre? Do you say macabre or macabre? Macabre. Macabre. It's, it's brilliant, pal. It's a brilliant film. Like, And when I first got the script, it was written by David Hales. Um, it, you know, we just got that through. We were working on, I think, just before we did Elbows, or maybe before that even, I got it through. And I thought, yeah, we've got to make this. It's, it reminds me of Tales of the Unexpected are a bit like Inside Number Nine. It's very British. Um, of course, the first thing we did was like put a third out of it and change it <laughs> just, just to wind the writer up. But yeah, it, it was just one of those had had to do it, had to do it. It's a lovely story. Um, and it was a huge amount of fun, huge amount of fun to do. Can't wait to start the next one. You know, it's uh, yeah, but Lips is available now. Yeah, where can people Everyone watch it? Watch Lips. Um, for the price of two large Twixes, um, you can go to gearpress.co.uk, click on the Black Octopus um, picture on the front, or you can go to lipsthemovie.com, and there's a link there. It takes you in. You can either buy a copy to keep forever or just um, rent it for 48 hours, watch it, you can cast it to your television and Brilliant. all those things. And uh, yeah, if you do watch it, if anyone does go and watch it first, thank you. Uh, let us know what you think. It's always nice to hear what people do, do. Good and, and bad. Do and, and do leave a message, like Hayden said, with a review. But 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 do mention that you heard it. You know, you heard about it here, because it's nice to know oh, that. Yeah. So it's lipsthemovie.com and it's yeah, gearpress.co.uk. gearpress.co.uk. And, and I'm telling um, you, I'm telling dear listener, listen to me. Um you 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 love the film. It's absolutely brilliant. It really is brilliant. And uh I'm not surprised now because um, you know, of the earlier of the earlier film, I'm not surprised at all. It's, uh, I mean, this is high end, high quality filmmaking. It's top end stuff, and there's a feature film in the offing, is there? There's a horror. Yeah, we've got another short film to make called Uncle Jack, um, which has been delayed and delayed. We're trying to get the studio space kitted out, and just keep getting let down. Uh, but hopefully, we'll get on that very soon. Then the first feature film, uh, we we're supposed to start shooting in June, but it's probably going to be. August now. Um, that's going to be very dark. That's that's very very dark. Um, I 
and we've got another feature planned after that, I guess it'll be the new year, which is the polar opposite. It's a really surreal uh, comedy. So there's a lot going on. There's a huge amount going on, and the logistics of it are terrifying, but it's uh, it's wonderful fun. I'm just incredibly, incredibly glad, it's not even a good enough word, grateful that I can come back to this, you know, at this point in my life and say, right, I'm going to go back and do this now. It's uh, It's been an amazing opportunity. It really has, and I, I do so love it. I, I've not been this happy for a long, long time. Wonderful, isn't um, it, to be able to say that? Uh, it is. It genuinely is. Um, although writing the script for the feature film is killing me very slowly. <laughs> I, hate, I hate writing scripts. What do you um, aim to do? Do you aim to do a certain amount of words a day, or how does it work? I can't work like that. I've just got to do it in fits and starts. I mean, the first thing I did, I wrote about 30 to 40 pages six or eight times and threw it away. Uh, and then mm. you start and you go through. I, I, writing scripts tortures me. It's torturous. That one for Unseen, even though that was only 12, 13 minutes long, that, that was bad. But this is killer because I obsess over it. And then you get imposter syndrome and then you doubt it and then you go again and you go again but it'll get there and it'll, it'll be finished in the next couple of weeks and then we start casting and you start casting for it and for yes. uh, look there's bound to be someone in Manchester listening to this who might be at for Juni or somewhere and they might you know they might fancy an audition in touch. and how will they, yeah, do, that? Through, through, they uh, do that through Twitter through the Black Octopus website you know, however you can get a hold of me, get a hold of me, say hello. And, you know, when we have castings, we're going to put a new thing on the site. Um, I've been sidetracked doing the video side of it for lips. But, um... Wait, you've just broken up a little bit there. I think you've walked you know, into... They are actors. We oh, just, sorry, no, yeah. we just lost you momentarily. I think I you moved to a black far. zone there for a moment. But, but by the way, if you ever do work yeah, sorry, for... I was just saying, we're going to have a provision for casting very soon on the website so people can register the details and what they do and link to the show reels and then we'll have a pool of people that we can just dip into. And, and, uh, and is this how it goes? And, new and, interesting folks. and is, is this how it goes? I mean, you, you started up Black Octopus Productions, now you're making features, you're, you're, you're doing a bit of everything, you're obviously directing, that's your, your, your incredible skill, you're writing as well. Would this have been the way that a lot of well-known directors would have started? Um, well, do you Pretty know much. Maybe. Depends how much money they had because it's a lot cheaper now. Right. <clears throat> Filmmaking used to be prohibitively difficult back when I started at the dawn of time. Because film, just the costs of film, um, the costs of film are absolutely horrendous. But now it's all digital. Yeah. So it still sounds like you spend a fortune, but you spend it once. When I was in the yeah. cinema yesterday, would that have been film or would it have been digital? Uh, I, I think that was digital because they put cameras in all the cockpits and things. So. Yeah, there wouldn't have. Yeah, uh, digital movie. Most, yeah. Very few films are shot on film now. Very few. Quentin Tarantino still does it. Christopher Nolan still does it. But if you go and look... Um, I think it's a website called Shot on What. They tell you what was used in all the films, and it's inevitably ARRI digital cameras. Uh, fewer red, but mostly ARRI. Um, they owned the film market as well, so they own the digital space now. We don't have an ARRI. We, we aren't that wealthy. But, uh, no, no. 
that's something to aspire to. In fact, they've just released their new camera and it's um, ready to shoot about 75 grand. Is it 75 so grand? Getting, well, I'll not be getting one of those. No, but I imagine someone could purchase one of those and help it pay for itself by renting it when it's not being used, yes. you know? Oh, 100%. 100%. You can, you know, people make entire livings out of renting gear out. Just, yeah. um, you got the, the, the problems that go with that. But the minute our kit, you know, we're getting really good results out of it, like with lips. I think lips looks really good. And that sounds like it looks stunning, though. me blowing my own trumpet. No, no, it does. It looks, it looks brilliant. for the yeah. first two films, but on this one, we had a director of photography. So it's Daniel Libera, who is um, stupidly good at what he does. Great. Um, and he's coming back for the next one and the feature as well, I believe. So. It's great to see this happening in, in Manchester and, and with you. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's, it's, yeah, it's a dream come true. You know, I get to, you know, it's, it's hard work, but fun. You know, it's not digging holes in the road, but it is um, oh, it's it's a lot of pressure. It's labour intensive. I, I know I had a bit of experience with it in at university making a short film and, uh, oh God, it's, it's, it's intensive stuff. I I know it's great. I mean, yeah, when you're good director, fun. You, from the minute you step foot on the set, you don't you don't stop at all ever until you're the last one off it. Yeah, and ironically, of course, I played a trans woman in um in in the film I was in back in which I understand it's those feminine features. It's those feminine features in two thousand and four, I think it was. I I can't remember. Um, we'll folks, have to get you as an extra. I know. We'll pe- get you dressed up again. People have gone looking for the bloody thing. I, I'd love to do that. Gearpress.co.uk, the Black Octopus yes. logo. Uh, go and watch Lips. It's only a pound and fifty pence to rent it. Rent it and leave a, a message for it. It's very, very, very good. And James Dreyfus is in it. Uh, or go to lipsthemovie.com. We'll um t- we'll we'll do this this again real soon. Uh, maybe. Absolutely. Good good to have you on. Uh, Thank I, you very much for having me on. Always a pleasure. And you're Always known you're you're known in the UK as uh, as as somebody. I mean, you are known as one of the uh, opponents of this crazy agenda. This you know these these trans activists. This sort of nonsense. Because I, I hear all the time from people. Oh, you know that guy here knew it. He's talking about this and tweeting about it. So. Uh, it's, it's, angry it's, old man shouting. Angry yes. old man shouting, yeah. <laughs> well, look, if I don't speak to you soon, we'll meet up at Bald Pride in Piccadilly yeah. in, in August. Although I have a sneaking suspicion that I'll probably speak to you on the phone in the next week or so anyway. Catch so. up with you in the next few days. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Yeah. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, mate. Always a pleasure. Cheers. Speak soon. Hayden Hewitt, lipsthemovie.com or gearpress.co.uk. It really is good. It's really good. It's a little slice of uh, of, of horror. Uh, with James Dreyfus, uh, who's brilliant in it. And uh, what is it, 13, 14 minutes long? Terrific. And uh, all the best to him and the people working at Black Octopus Productions. It's a big deal, that, what they're doing there. It's exactly three minutes past six. In a moment, I'm going to put the meme for for the, the, the meme with the phone in details on facebook.com. In fact, Rog might be doing it. Facebook.com forward slash BBG Richie. Right, there is a Richie Allen Show Facebook page. It isn't run or managed by me, but it's there. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash BBG Richie. I'll put the meme up there. But I'm pretty sure that you are well aware of the contact details in any case. And just in case you're not, here they are. Here are the details you need to know. 
It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. Iconic, the home of hard-hitting news, groundbreaking original series and films, podcasts, live events, and more across a range of subjects from current affairs, reality, consciousness, health, wellness, spirituality, comedy, and more. Start your seven-day free trial now and begin your iconic journey today. Find us online, iOS, Android, Roku, and Amazon Fire Stick. Iconic. It all starts with you. To the savior of independent media, Richie Allen. Asher's myself, the BBG, taking your phone calls next. Can't wait. It's a Tuesday's program, May 31st, 2022. It's me, Richie Allen, in Salford. Dar Straits, Sultans of Swing, on Tuesday's Richie Allen show. Looking forward to hearing from you today. It's your call, Skype. Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Gene tells me that a ticket for Bruce the Boss Springsteen in the RDS in Dublin next year, 130 euro. Ouch. Ouch. I, I'm waiting for the annuncia, for the announcement of the. UK dates, if they haven't been announced already, it's a, it's incredibly expensive to go to a concert these days. It really is. Elizabeth is in Madrid, I think. Hello. How are you? Welcome you back. Me? It's been a long time. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, of course. Fan dabby dozy. If I'm on the <laughs> same device that you're speaking to me on, Elizabeth, just turn me down there before no, you I've take over. Turned you, I've turned you off. You've turned me off. Can you feel it? Do you I, feel differently? I feel differently. I, I'm in love with Madrid after last Saturday evening's football game. Are you? I'm such a child. I'm not really, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was glad the the, the the Madristas did the business and beat Liverpool because I'm a child. But uh, it was a fleeting happiness. I don't care now. How are you anyway? More, more to the point, what's going on there? How are things? Uh, things are all right. I mean, pretty tame. I'm surprised nobody's really whooping too much about the monkeypox. I mean, I don't watch MSM News here, but uh, even just from, you know, the typical Twitter newspapers I follow from Spain. Yeah. It doesn't really seem to be that big of a deal, even though, you know, in uh, Gran Canaria was apparently some sort of a, a gay festival and a bunch of cases were discovered there. But, you know, other than that, I'm kind of surprised. Even my in-laws who are totally, you know, were, I mean, they didn't even want to do Christmas again for the second year in person. We did it via Skype again. No. So, you know, even they are not really fearful of monkeypox. So, I don't know. <laughs> They're doing their best here. I, I happened, I mean, I didn't watch much news yesterday because I took the bank holiday yesterday, but I, I did today. And BBC Radio 5 Live, just after seven o'clock, presenter Rick Edwards says uh, they found 71 more cases of monkeypox. And then I, I switched around to Sky News when I got back home with the dogs. And same thing, 
they mention it. So the media here seems determined to give it a bit of oomph, like to to make yeah. it sound like it's important when it isn't. Well, you know, I'm sure you've seen go around this uh, thing about this exercise they did for the monkeypox, and it was all kind of staged exactly, you know, in May 2022, we would have this outbreak during this game of monkeypox. But in this case, as you read their timeline, it goes well into 2023 till December, and it turns out to be, uh, if you go through all their stages, they discover it's some sort of a terrorist bioweapon monkeypox version. Do you trust this now? I've, I, it's been said on the program last know. week. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I don't trust it. Let, let me explain what I mean before you come back and say what you were going to say there. I don't trust the information that has been suddenly discovered that said they they war gamed monkeypox. I don't. I'm not sure. I trust it. I'm not sure. I believe it. I don't know either. Yeah. I mean, like I, I've said before, at this point, if you tell me you're dead, I won't believe it unless I trip over your body. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I really don't know. And if you think about it, I was watching a little documentary from Truthstream uh, News, and they were had this thing of where did the rest of the Internet go? And it was basically about they, they looked at the search engines, Google and Bing, which are the top search engines. And if you go into uh, the Google search field and you type in, for example, climate change, uh, you will get at the top, you know, there are, you know, 8 million results. So, you know, you think you're going to find all kinds of choices of things to read about climate change. Yay. You know, as you go down the list, at the bottom, you can go through the different pages. You know, you can go up to page three, four, five, six, seven at the bottom. And then you reach at a certain point, you reach like page 17 and that's it. I mean, clearly not 8 million choices, right, that yeah. you've been presented with. Then there's a field below that at the bottom of that page the last one, which says you can expand your search. You hit that, and then you'll get uh, basically 43 pages. But if you go to the 43rd page, and 43 seems to be the magic number because it happened with other things like Super Bowl search, for example, um, you find out that there's only 455 uh, results found in the time. So it went from 8 million to 455. So Basically, the internet has become kind of a, a funnel. You know, they, they've shrunk it. Think of it like they, they mentioned, they talk about the Truman Show, you know, where everything is fake and you hit a wall. So you don't get access to the 8 million options. You don't get, no. you know, Bob's blog about the environment of what he thinks of it. It's all, you know, from the United Nations information. It's from, you know, NASA, whatever. So we're all being shrunk down. And I'm sure, you know, whoever is pulling the little strings above our heads know that we do these searches and they know what work to feed the whole, you know, spiel about, oh, look at the Corona people who do who, the deniers of Corona as they yeah, negocianistas yeah. <laughs> in Spain, you know, yeah. they deny it. No, I don't deny it. I just don't want to be trapped in my house, you know, or wear a mask. Yeah, or, um, or commit financial suicide by wrecking Exactly. My yeah. You know, I mean, think about the rest of the, you know, process in life. So here um, they've, they've admitted that, today anyway, they've admitted that at least 3,000 people with diabetes would still be alive if it wasn't for lockdown. That's just diabetes. You wonder why this is coming out, this information. Is it coming out because ultimately, Elizabeth, they, they know that not too many people read the newspapers. Is that why it's coming out? Mm, I don't know about that. I think it's it's also to create like chaos in your mind, 
you know, it's like, oh, the world is falling. Everything's falling down. We're living in the Tower of Babel, you know, period of life. And nothing is real post-truth. You know, what is a boy? What is a girl? You know, everything is chaos. You go to the airport. I can't travel without, like, standing in a line or get my flight canceled or my bags are sent to Gatwick while I get flown into Luton or whatever all this shit I Hey, by the way, they were warned. They were warned, and to be fair to some politicians, <laughs> they were warned when they were doling out, no pun intended, massive redundancies four, five, six months ago. They were warned of the chaos that would come at uh, half-term breaks, which we've seen last half-term, this half-term, and the summer holidays to come. I believe it is, I've got friends all over Manchester, I've got friends working at Manchester Airport, it is bedlam there. Absolute yeah. mania at the airport. People's flights being cancelled, entire holidays being cancelled, people being told, get up off uh, the seat now and exit the plane. The holiday has been cancelled. It's mayhem there. Well, and, and that's the same in every freaking airport. Yeah, I mean, yeah. down to the smallest airport in Germany, who, you yeah. know, they know how to run the trains, as we know. So, and even they can't make it work. Um, Schiphol in, in the Netherlands, or as I call it, shithole. You know, it's, it's a terrible. pain in the ass, yeah. enormous airport, all kinds of things. Restaurants are closed. I just had a, my gay friend fly in and he said, everything, all these places were closed. He yeah, but where are the it. people, Elizabeth? Where, where are the people who left these jobs? I mean, I, I, I heard a recruitment specialist on the BBC this morning. He recruits for the aviation industry. This guy seemed very genuine. He was very personable. And he mm-hmm. said, he, he opened up a website, his own, he opened up his own website, his own company's website. They have 30 positions, ground crew positions open at Manchester Airport right now, he said. These are jobs where you're brought in and then you are trained. But the financial package is very, very good. They make very good money. Hmm. He hasn't got a single applicant. Nobody. Where are uh, they? I don't... Where the hell are these people now? Well, we, supposedly they found... At least that's the story in the Netherlands. They, they, they have found other jobs and they're, you know, they don't want to jeopardize the current job that they're in. Right. Um, so might as well stay. I mean, what if the travel industry goes tits up again? Yeah. What do I do then? You know, everybody feels uncertain. So, you know, you're going to... I think you're going to hold on to the job that you have. What do you think? Is, you it, is it ultimately... Is this ultimately about climate change, is it? Well, it's going to be wrapped in that flag, yeah. Make it just, make it unbearable, make it unbearable, make it intolerable flying, make it so awfully shite. Anything, anything that was kind of a middle class activity, you know, your one, maybe two holidays per year, you know, maybe you do one to the beach in Spain and maybe one more closer to home or something like that. That's all going to change. Yeah. They don't want us to travel. They want us to stay in quadrants. And I think that's part of the reason why they try to like, you know, Ayn Rand, I believe what it said was, you know, the smallest minority on earth is the individual. But look how far we've come from individual. Now, like the small, everything has to be at least a group. You know, it has to be the transsexual blue haired people or something in that group. And you have to live within that little group with their little rules. So there's no more individualism. Everybody is in kind of a a group. The, the group is more important than the individual. Yeah. 
so we've been kind of, you know, I, I always kind of feel like we're being managed like cattle, basically, you know, where, you know, the cows have to walk a certain way on the farm. It's no longer that they run around free. I know I'm kind of rambling here, but I'm trying to put these thoughts in my head to try and answer you. Um, I just think that they don't want us to have anything anymore. They're, they're, they're trying to dehumanize us to the point where we will just basically roll over for some of us and just kind of go into this virtual world, the metaverse, you know, where yeah. we just sit in our little room with the glasses on and, you know, pretend to have an existence. Um, it's no longer having, you know, look at the farmers being pushed off their land during a time when there's supposedly food shortages and supply chain problems. Why aren't we fixing that as a true group of citizens? Why Why is the discussion in the news about blue hair transgender people or monkeypox? You know, you know, why aren't we talking about everybody plant a fruit tree this weekend? Absolutely Something, right. You know? you know, when I was um, in commercial radio years and years and years ago, when it was open to anybody who could articulate a position, it didn't matter what the position was, so long as they could articulate it. I think back to the early 2000s and we were hearing from people saying that the common agricultural policy that every European member state signed up to, which basically told farmers not to grow crops anymore, to grow flowers or uh, paid them to stop farming entirely. We were warned back then what that would mean in the future if you became so dependent on grain and other foodstuffs from other countries, from countries overseas. It's not as if any of this was unpredictable, you know, that a war could break out and seriously impact on, on, uh, on, 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 on food, on, on the production of food and the distribution of food. And yet, and yet here we are. Give us a quick thought on that, Elizabeth, before I take another call. Okay. I want to move on. My, my, my thought on that is, you know, think of how the youth of today, they don't even know where their food comes from. You know, I mean, in the Netherlands, where I really follow up on the farmer disowned situation, I mean, kids think that their hamburger literally comes from the supermarket and that's it. You know, they don't even realize that there's a cow behind it on no. a farm somewhere that a farmer had to, you know, basically feed, take care of, etc. Yeah. So we become so, you know, situated in our little cities and our little tiny apartments, you know, we've moved away from the land. So it, it's becoming easier and easier to hurt us. There's a reason why so many of the medical uh, people that were in charge in TV again in the Netherlands, they're, they're both animal doctors, the ones that advise the government on the rules in the Netherlands, animal doctors, veterinarians. You're kidding me. No, I'm not kidding you. And I think I can probably find other examples of other countries who had the same situation because they do study a lot of virology. So, you know, technically they should know more about viruses, but, you know, it's they don't know anything about the rest of life. They're no more intelligent than you or, or no. me on the other terrain of life. A, a thing that was very noticeable just before we part company today, very noticeable during the early COVID panic was how ill-looking many of the so-called health experts were. And that's not to be childish. It's not to be, no. you know, they just looked ill. I mean, just look at Chris Whitty. Look at the state of Chris Whitty. Oh, God. We have a ghoul in the Netherlands, Ernst Kuypers. Try, look him up. He looks like he's dead. He looks like he's about to die or he is dead. 
<laughs> yeah, he's already dead. He's bald, by the way. You know, so he's got that going for him, too. Um, so, no, he looks a fright. He looks like an absolute fright. And I, I think that's just part of the upside down world we've kind of landed in. And we need to return it upside down. We need to find energy in ourselves. Turn it back upside down. Well said. We need to find our inner skepticism. We need to to recover our skepticism. There was a time when we would have laughed out loud at this person. It's like they they, they made a trans woman um, uh, in America, a big, a big, um, they gave the the, the person a a big healthcare job. I can't remember which one. Oh, um, I know what you mean. She yeah. became a four-star general. Yeah, or, that's right. And it's not because yeah. it's a trans person, but it's a very big, overweight person who doesn't look yes. healthy at all. Stop. Yeah, I remember the <laughs> health minister of, of, of yeah. Uh, Belgium. Yeah. I mean, that was like Jabba the Hutt, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. It's like, I'm going to take advice from you. No, thank you. Elizabeth, good you to know. chat with you again. I'm going to move on and take another call, lest I be All accused right. of favouritism. And hello to everybody out there. Brilliant call. Thanks for kicking us off, Elizabeth, there. This is a Tuesday's Richie Allen Show, May 31st, 2021. Ben- 22. Mother of God. Bente. Bente Uno. Uh, here are the details. I never give you any heads up I was going to do this. I should have done It's your call. Skype. Chat with Rich. It's been a hectic day. Call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. What are you doing talking over the contact details jingle? I've no idea why I did that. That would have gotten me, I would have been brought into the office to explain myself. It's 24 and a half minutes past. Uh, another call, or just after we speak, I'm going to go to the comments on the website because you'll kick off if I don't. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Hello, my name is uh, Max. How are you doing, Max? Where are you calling from? Uh, actually calling from London, yeah. I uh, can't believe I got through it, actually. London town. Max, you're very welcome. I'm glad you did get through, pal. Um, you know the way it works. It's over to you. What would you like to say? Um... Yeah, I'd just like to say hello, hello to everyone. Uh, I'm a chef uh, based in uh, West London. Um, I suppose just quickly, like during the lockdown, I, uh, I had a little like cafe business and I sold it and I went to live off grid for just over a year and I bought like a yurt and uh, a little kitten, some solar panels and uh, I just got the hell away from it, just away from everything and it was the best thing I did. You know, hang Obviously, on a second, now, Max. You... Max, hang on a second. Yeah. We've, we've got to go through this step by step and we have plenty of time now. So hang on, so you're working as a chef in London. Uh, the COVID thing hits. Things are all over the place, a bit hectic. And you decide, right, that's it. I've had a bloody enough. I'm going to try and live off grid. How did you even begin to, to, to you know, to, to start that process? So, I, yeah, I had a, my own little cafe in East London. It was like a farm cafe. We kind of we did really well. We got in the Guardian and um, it was kind of my first little business as I, I kind of took off by myself and a business partner. And that went for about a year and then uh, the COVID thing hit. Um, just when we started seeing it in uh, in China and the people collapsing, etc. And um, yeah, obviously that went, the, the farm closed because the, the lockdown came and uh, I've been wanting to do it for a while because the thing is, it's so difficult living and working for everybody, trying to 
live month by month paying rent and bills and council tax and gas and electricity and water and food bills it's you just can't do it chasing your tail. Over, and it's, sorry yeah. yeah go for it no mate no you're chasing your tail all the time it never ends it's, what did what did david call it one time the hamster wheel it just never ends does it yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm quite I'm not that fit myself, so that hamster wheel was <laughs> I was burning the candle at both ends as well, you know, and sometimes it was making a, a brilliant light, but you know, when you burn the candle at both ends you just you just come to an end. So yeah, basically I lived off grid for about over a year. In a yurt, you said. In a yurt. Yeah, I bought like a, a what mini is that? kind of like a like a circus tent but smaller, like a big kind of teepee but massive. Like it, I had like a a kitchen, a futon, it was carpeted, I had Wi-Fi. Like, you know, I, all of the solar panels that I bought, and it had running water there as well. And I kind of built a shower outside, and, and I had like a, sorry, I had a compostable kind of toilet. And yeah, it was crazy. And uh, I didn't get ill for the whole year. Like, I wasn't sick once. I just lived under the sunlight. I woke up with the sunrise. I didn't work. I grew my own food. Um, Where did you put it, Max? Where did you put the yurt? It was it was on uh, it was on field that uh, my granddad basically had. He's passed away now. Like my dad had some land, luckily. And I said, you know, can I stand it for a few months? It ended up being a year. But yeah, I didn't pay any um, gas, electricity. I paid nothing. at council tax. And yeah, it was um, it was hard work at times. Like like in the winter, the whole thing blew off, and the wind came in. Like <laughs> I had to buy oh. another year. Uh, another kind of uh, it's a massive canvas kind of structure, really, and um, yeah. It's, uh, so it, and you yeah, were on your own, Max. Hard, yeah. you, I was you, on my own, just me and my cat. Yeah, it was you. It cat, was you yeah. and your cat. Yeah, yeah. I bought a little cat. Yeah, he kept me company the whole year. Bless him. Yeah, yeah. He got run over as well, and had to take oh, him Jesus to the vets God. on my bike in the middle of the night, and I had to fix both of his legs. Like it was a crazy year. She was mental. I know you don't like write a book. I listen. Sorry? Write a book about it. No, no. I was going to say, I know you don't like listen to live stories and stuff, but I like listening to other people's stories and stuff when I when I listen to your show. And uh, it's just crazy. But I, I, now at the moment, I'm kind of working as a chef in East London. and Sorry, West London. And in West London. So at some stage, it, was, it, was it at some stage at the end of the year, it just became untenable, was it, living? Uh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It was, I, money was an issue as well. Like, yeah. I had to just get back onto the system. Obviously, like... I'm unvaccinated. I'm not going to do it. I'd rather, I'd rather die than let them put something in me. I, it's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy what's going on at the moment as well. And the whole monkeypox thing that's coming up as well, and it's just pure propaganda. And I was listening to um, the conversation earlier with Hayden and the whole trans thing. And it's just trans versus straight, black versus white. It was like us versus the Muslims and yeah. and it's and it's just everyone's pitted against each other, but clearly people can't see it. It's just pure propaganda. Why can't they like, see it, Max? Why I, this is the thing that vexes me. I I I don't when I say I'm not that bright, I'm not fishing for compliments here. I am not particularly bright. But if I can see if the light can dawn on my head that we are being played off against one another, identity groups to, to squabble with one another and to compete with one another for the very purpose so that the elites or whatever you want to call them, they can go about their business safe in the knowledge that we won't turn our gaze on them. I mean, if I can see this and, and you can see it and you sound you know reasonably bright, why can't the majority of people see through this? I don't understand it. 
it's, it's crazy. And obviously my, I, I don't, even my sister and my father, like, both vaccinated. I haven't spoken to them for over a year now. And, um, but people, they just can't see it. And, you know, I even turned on EastEnders the other day. I haven't watched it in years. I haven't watched it since uh, Who Shot Phil Mitchell days when I was younger. <laughs> I'm 34 now. That's going back but a I bit now, yeah. It yeah. It's crazy. I watched it the other day and there's a kind of, um, it was a few months ago and it was old Patrick, the old doctor, you know, going, oh, the unvaccinated, you know, like yeah. he's telling about the unvaccinated people and, and it's just like everywhere you look, even the BBC and... Yeah. Uh, I love old Patrick. He's lovely. But yeah, I just, um, everywhere. I don't know why people can't see it. It's funny you mention EastEnders. About two weeks ago, uh, I was waiting for a match on the BBC. Nobody will believe this now. They'll think I'm an EastEnders fan. I'm not really. But I was waiting for a game and EastEnders was just coming to an end. And there was a scene in the cafe and one of the children characters was confirming with the mother character that there was a sleepover taking place at the weekend. And as God is my witness, one of the children characters said, so long as everybody wears masks. And this is only a couple of weeks ago now, when all of this is supposed to have ended. I thought, that's just, that's lazy. It's all all very subtle, isn't it, Richie? Especially in, um, if you see it at bus stops. And Do you remember that thing? Now maybe I'm just being a a, a paranoid, but do you remember during the credit crunch, everywhere you saw the... The signs keep calm and carry on. It was in every shop window, so it was yeah. in every bus station platform, every train platform, every tube. It was keep calm and carry on everywhere. And I thought, okay, that was kind of well timed actually, or it was kind of I didn't know quite what it was. But now there's another one. It's okay not to be okay, and you see all these little advertising. You think, where's this coming from? It's yeah. like a, it's a, it's a campaign from the government or TFL. Or it's, it's okay not to be okay, and there's kind of little signs everywhere. And, I don't know. It's, yeah, um, every single day I'm on <laughs> every single. Every, well, don't be scared. I don't. I, I don't. I don't. I shouldn't say don't be scared. Uh, I'm scared myself sometimes. Every single day, and and it isn't an exaggeration. Every single day, there is a story on BBC and Sky. It isn't either or um, about mental health. Uh, today, it's Joe Wicks, the, the the keep fit guy. Joe Wicks. He's made a documentary yeah. because when he was young, his parents fought very. Uh, his parents fought and his parents were depressed so he's making a film about how depression affects children and how we should teach children about depression and all this nonsense and then some guy's got a book out that used to play football now he's depressed everybody's depressed and Prince we all have William to, Prince, Prince William, William is depressed he loves it yeah. he loves that one you know and yeah yeah, yeah. And he's yeah, it kind of makes you think if it's all connected, you know, there's all this kind of mental health. They know it's going to get bad. And they know yeah. this is coming. So it's, maybe it's pre-programming. But can, yeah, I, can I yeah. take you back to the year in the yurt? Did, yeah. did it, how has, how has that, are you a different person now after the year? Has it changed? Did it give you a different perspective on life? Are you more a peaceful guy? How did it affect you the, the year away? Uh, I'm I'm a different guy week to week now. They're changing so quickly every month. Yeah, yeah, no, it kind of, um, part of it ostracized me from society a bit more. Um, but part of it made me get back to nature. You know, I was kind of picking mushrooms in the, in the forest, you know, foraging foraging and, you know, yeah, yeah. The good mushrooms, the good, and, you know, opening my mind and, and, um, yeah, it did change me a lot. But um, now I'm back in the city, and it's not good. It's not good uh, down in London. You know, it's um, quite hostile, and 
if you don't have a network or a friendship group, like after I have, a, you know, I work, you know, I have a little network, but it's it's pretty hostile place down in London. Um, I'm not enjoying it. Yeah, it changed, yeah. You yeah. sound to me. I'm rambling. No, you're not rambling, Max. Not, not at all. Don't say that. You're not rambling. You sound to me like somebody who is better suited to village or rural life. Yeah, yeah. I'll probably um, see if I can get myself a tractor or something. Uh, well, do you know, with your with, with your skills and with you know the impact that lockdowns had on on the hospitality I- industry, if we want to call it that, a guy like you should be able to, you know get a, a job in a kitchen, running a kitchen in a nice pub in the Yorkshire Dales mm. or in rural Manchester or in Cornwall. There must be something like that there for you. Do you um, obviously remember one of your guests, Rachel Eleanor, she does something something similar, like they, the whole off-grid thing and yeah. looking for a small, small community. And yeah, I'd be love to look for something like that. A small community, um, yeah, a little... Yeah, there's a little, you know, f- farm, farm pub somewhere, that'd be good. But um, yeah... Yeah, because city um, life yeah. is insane, isn't it, Max? City yeah, life uh, yeah. is anti-human, isn't it? I, 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 I spent a year in London. My, um, my beloved wouldn't mind me saying this, but it nearly killed her the year we lived in London because mm-hmm. my my partner, who often gets a mention here in jest, Caroline, is a beautiful soul with nothing I'm but familiar. goodness in her, right? Yeah. And uh, is a lovely person who loves people and loves the company of people and is as gentle as anything you can imagine. That year of living in um, Brent in London and commuting into the heart of London, it nearly killed her. The awfulness of it, the the energy, the atmosphere. It's not, it's not good. It, it's nothing like that in Manchester. Six million people or whatever it is living up here. For some reason, it's different. Um, here, but but big big city life and big capital cities, they're madhouses, Max. Yeah, I've started cycling to work. It takes me forty minutes to cycle to work. I, it, it's uh, fifteen kilometers a day. It's just because I can't face staring at my phone or looking at the floor or the advertising boards yeah. on public transport and people not talking to each other. I've heard as well up north. It's I know it sounds a bit of a cliche from a Londoner. Obviously, my, my father used to go up north. He used to tell me stories. If you're at a bus stop, people would talk to you. They'd invite you in a pub or... Yeah. I know it's cliche, but, you know, it, it happens. I mean, it's not... It does happen. It, I've heard it's different up there. And uh, I'm a United fan myself as well. So maybe I should... Um, you're suffering. Maybe I should get up north. <laughs> Dude, get up, get up this way for a game. You're suffering just just like me. I'll yeah. tell you what, Max. I won't keep that... too long. Yeah, go. That's yeah. uh, absolutely fascinating that you did that, yeah. that you took that year out, you yeah. gave it a go, you stuck with it for a year. Um, yeah, yeah. Just... Sorry I was a bit nervous and frantic at the beginning because I, was, I, I listened to you all the time. I have, but even when I was out in the yard, I used to listen to you every night. And I, used to like, I used to love having to... I used to look forward to it every time you having to come home and uh, you kept me company as well for those years, man. So, and, all, and all of the listeners as well. And um, a good community and a good, honest community. And um, we all the best. So thank you. You're welcome, Max. Yeah. Stay in touch with us. And all yeah, the best. Cool. That's Max Bye-bye. there who's working in a restaurant in West London now, but um, he took a year out and uh, did the, did the um, off-grid life, basically. Got a yurt, got some solar panels, he said, didn't he, at the start of it. And, made a kitchen in there and lived in there for a year. He said he had some difficult times there with the weather being pretty bad, blowing it over. I think he had to buy another one, I think he said. Um, Max on the show, fantastic call that. Did you ever try anything like that? Did you Did you ever think about it? Um, let me know. It's um, you Give me a ring either on the show tonight or send me a message. 
let me know, did you ever try that off grid? Did you ever say, no, I'm going to kind of get away from society now? You know, I've spoken to one or two people over the years who've done it. And they did it for different reasons. You know, breakup of a relationship, one particular person I met was pretty upset and, and decided to try it. Another person was, was very much the, the, the kind of a nomadic type person anyway. But if you've ever tried anything like that too, uh, please let me know. The time is uh, 21 minutes to the top of the air. We're back to the mobile phones. Hey, caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Hello, it's Sasha. Hello, Sasha. You're welcome. How are you? Hello, Richie. It's good to finally get through to you. Nice to speak to you. Ah, it's a pleasure to speak to you. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from rural Gloucestershire. Ah, sounds lovely. Just after talking to Max about the madness of the big city, we're now off to <laughs> Gloucestershire. <laughs> I do not envy him, yeah, for the madness of the big city. It is mental, isn't uh, it? Go ahead anyway, Sasha. So I just wanted to say to you, thank you so much for the show that you do and the guests that you bring, and I really love listening to your guests and to you. Thank you um, very much. And all the ideas that you're exploring and stuff. Um, I had a couple of things I've been trying to get through to you for a couple of weeks now, and I wanted to say to you, I was listening to your show the other week, and you were talking about having a bit of a chesty, chest infection and stuff. Um and I just wanted to say to you that um, in, instead of going on the steroids, you might want to consider some, uh, just since the beginning of COVID, I've been getting really into kind of natural remedies and stuff. And um, you might want to consider something a bit less toxic for yourself. But, um, I don't know, I know it's not, uh, but you did talk about it in great detail, so I, I hope you don't mind. Not at all. Listen, not <laughs> at all. Exactly. I hope if we were in court now, the judge would say, yeah. you opened the door to it, Mr. Allen. So uh, you have to take the slings. I'm, I'm absolutely interested in this because I do suffer with the chesty stuff and I do sometimes resort to the steroid, Sasha. So go right ahead. So I was just going to say to you, if you'd consider trying some like black seed oil and some pine needle tea, um, those two things are really, really excellent for the, for the ongoing kind of chest infection stuff. And you might find it, you know, just that you'll, you'll bounce back better with that kind of thing rather than with steroids, which are quite toxic for your system. Um, They're dreadful. Yeah, that's... Okay. They're dreadful. You're right. They're terrible things. Yeah. The only thing they is are. when when you are stuck, like if it is a particularly hard to shift infection, I mean, anybody who's been through it will know they do give fairly instant relief, but they, they, they're not good. Mm. They, 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 they cause mood swings. Uh, people put on weight when they're on them. They're just not good. They're garbage. I agree with you. I'm writing this down now. Pine needle tea, pine, you said. Pine needle tea. So this is one of the things that's been brought out as well as a, 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 people have been talking about it a lot as a kind of, it helps with COVID. It helps with any kind of respiratory um, infection. And it's, it's as old as the hills. People, um, they used it before we had citrus in this country. They used it against, because it has so much vitamin C and it's so good for your immune system, they used it against scurvy and things like that as well. So it's, it's definitely something worth exploring. And your black seed oil is all about building up your immune system as well. And it just works, it helps on so many levels. So yeah, or at least, you know, supplement your steroids with that if you're going to. When um, did you, was there, a, was there a time when you began to consider um, complementary therapies or natural medicines was there something that 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 occurred sasha you don't I, you don't have to be personal i don't want to know i'm not mm -hmm. i'm asking you to, to tell me about your own medical history but 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 was mm -hmm. there something that you said i've got to look elsewhere no i mean basically i um i was made redundant just before covid hit and i had to sort of i was also I was doing a bit of reflexology and complementary therapies um and i had to think of something else that i was going to do so i started um on the market stalls kind of putting together things which I consider to be more healthy for people and selling those to people in the market. Well done. Um, and, just, 
over that time, I've been kind of learning and looking into it more and more. So it's just, it's fast. And I'm constantly amazed by how powerful these natural remedies are. We we have this kind of thing of thinking that they're less effective than the chemical shit that they put together in, yeah. the, in the labs, but it's not. And are you, and how, how, how is it received now when you're on the markets, when people are coming up looking at your wares, as it were? How, how are you received and, and the products? People are really, really keen to, to try anything which isn't pharmaceuticals. I mean, I've got people coming up to me and saying, I'm on 15 different pills and I don't even know what they're all for. And I've got these ones which are counteracting the side effects of those ones and then those ones have got other side effects and so on. And it's just like people are overwhelmed by the amount of medication yeah. that they're being put onto these days. Um, and and without you know being checked constantly by doctors to make sure you know that it's um it's all working well for them as it should be so they're just getting actually iller and iller um with these endless side effects of the side effects of yeah. the, you know it's just and they're it's, probably it's perplexed it's, it's amazing you saying this this morning I went to the post office to get some money for the gardener. I don't do my own gardening. Um, Sasha, it's not because I'm a diva who's still good for the gardening. Uh, it's just I don't have blooming time to do it. So uh, a local guy comes and cuts the grass and trims the hedge. Lovely fella. So anyway, I'm doing that and I'm, I, I see across the road, I see Jill, who's a neighbour. She is an assistant in one of the schools. Lovely lady. And she's got two bags. And ever the gentleman, virtue signaler here, I said, do you want a hand, Jill? She said, no, there's no weight in the bags, Richie. She said they're, yeah. it's medications from the chemist, I swear to God. She had two carrier yeah. bags. Um, Jill has had spinal issues for a while. She's chronic uh, back pain. I have mentioned, obviously, one or two alternative possibilities for her. But um, yeah. the, the, the two bags basically contained certain medications that she's expected to take. And the other medications in the bag are to counter side effects from the primary yeah. medications. <laughs> Honest to God. That was today. So this is synchronicity, Sasha. Yeah, it's, it's completely mental, Richard. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, and this illusion that the pharmaceutical industry is somehow trying to heal us from, from things, you know, when, when it's plain to all, including the people that come and talk to me on the stall, but they're kind of trapped in this spiral and they don't really have, most of them, much access to kind of another way of looking at things. Um, you know, and so I also sell CBD oil and things like that. And we, you know, people are having terrible raging anxiety these days as well because of, of this fear campaign that's that's constantly being thrown on them. And, and, you know, they just don't know what to do with themselves. And for them, when they suddenly start to think, oh, maybe there's another way I could be looking at dealing with this. It's, to a lot of them, it's like a revelation. And they really do. I have some really, really interesting and intense conversations with people about, you know, their issues. And they, yeah. So, anyway, that's, that's, yeah. No, that's no, that. keep, keep going. This is absolutely <laughs> fascinating stuff. This, it's never been more timely or more important. So, uh, no, this is, this is really important. And if you were to say to our listeners this evening, Sasha, is there mm. something that people should be topping up with, even if there's nothing really wrong with them, they're in good health, or at least they feel in good mm. health. Is there something that you would say, it wouldn't do you any harm to take a little bit of this every now and then. Yeah, I mean, you can never, ever do yourself any harm with um, black seed oil. Well, uh, black seed oil is just so good for such a range of things. It helps with, um, it's very good for strengthening your heart. It helps your liver. It helps your um, your skin and your hair. I mean, it's just, it's, it's an all-round amazing thing. I mean, whenever anyone in my house has got um, a cold or if any of us is ill, you just have three or four of those and it knocks it on the head. So that's a good thing. And you can have just a couple of those a day just as a preventative if you want to. That's amazing, um, yeah. 
CBD oil is you can never do any harm to yourself. With now, that where would either. you trust? Now, this is great. Now, so CBD oil. Now, I yeah. I meet people around Salford. Salford. Sometimes you walk around Salford, you get a you get a particularly curious smell, and yeah. it's 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 cannabis. <laughs> there's always yeah. a grow. There's always a grow on somewhere, but that's fine. Yeah. Each to their own, and 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 they're harmless and they do no harm. So mm. CBD oil. How do yeah. you know where to get it and what? is really in it and how much content you, you know the question I'm, I'm clumsily asking here how would you know mm-hmm. which is the, the person to trust or the the, the yeah, product to trust unfortunately you've got to do some research because everybody's selling it these days it's become a bit yeah. of a bandwagon and you know it's quite you just don't know what you're getting unless you've actually looked into it and, and read read the reviews and just kind of make sure that you're dealing with a reputable company um you know for example there's certain I won't give a name, but famous high street kind of health food places, yeah. which sell really, really terrible uh, strengths. And, you know, it's just not even worth buying it or taking it. So, yeah, you have to. I mean, I always tell people just to buy it from me, but then I would say that one night. But, uh, yeah, it's, you've got to find it from someone who's actually knows what they're talking about and they know how to recommend to you what doses you should take and what strength you should take. So it's definitely always worth talking to someone in person. Are you on social media, Sasha? Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. Give yourself yeah. a plug there. Where are you on social media then? Um, okay, so I'm, I'm not very active on the old social media, but I do have a Facebook page and it's called Brand Zero Naturals um, or Brand Zero. And yeah, that's my... I, I sell all sorts of stuff like natural skincare and healthcare and, and all sorts of things. Thank you, Richie. I appreciate that. Not at all. Brand Zero Naturals. Get over there and say hello to, to Sasha. And tell me this, <laughs> on, on the whole terrain theory thing versus germ theory are you because yeah. i'm starting to think there's a lot to be said for terrain theory that the environment the water you know the electromagnetic stuff in the air that a lot of this might be you know contributing to our bad health and it's not just germs all the time or maybe it's not just germs how do you feel about mm-hmm. all of that yeah i mean i think that that's definitely true but i think you know it's one of those nature nurture things um, you could debate till the cows come home, but there's probably a bit of both in it. Right. You know, I would say that it's probably a balance. And if you look at the health of the host, um, then then and there are germs going around, then obviously a healthier host is going to be less susceptible to becoming infected or, or made ill by that. So in my opinion, I mean, I, I'm not by any stretch, I'm not, you know, medically trained or anything, but in my opinion, it's definitely a, a mixture yeah, of that's... the two. That's that. That sounds pretty rational and logical to me. I suppose if I had to put a punt on, on it, that's yeah. kind of the, the the road I would go down. Sasha, that's a brilliant call. Rural Gloucestershire, you've yeah. been you've been listening to Sasha. Brand zero or brand zero neutrals? You said was it naturals? Naturals. Jesus, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Brand zero naturals <laughs> or brand zero? You'll find Sasha on Facebook. Go and say hello to her there. Great call, Sasha. Lovely to meet you. I hope we talk again. Thank you, Richard. It's nice to talk to you. My Take pleasure. Care. You're welcome. Bye for now. Sasha there, how lovely is that? On Tuesday's Richie Allen Show, the time is fast approaching 10 minutes to 7 o'clock. The BBG with you till 7. There's only one BBG. I've probably got time for one more call. So let's take it now. Caller, you are very welcome. Who am I speaking with? Right, OK. The first thing I'm going to say, Richie, is through by Marcus. And I've got to say... How you doing, Marcus? What a legend. Give over, will you? Welcome back, by the way. It's been ages. Nice to have you back on. It has been a while. It has been a while. And I, I must say, Hayden Hewitt has got the best humour in the world. 
He's a great guy. You got to check out that film he made, Lips. It's absolutely brilliant. And I'm not saying he's my pal. I will look it up. I will look it up. Have you been gigging, Marcus? Uh, how are you, mate? Anyway, the first thing is, how are you doing, bro? I'm, I'm, I'm in rude health. No pun intended, rude boy. Tell me this: um, Are you gigging at all? Are you, are you back in the clubs? And no, 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 no. I'm sneaking my way into the airports. <laughs> it's a funny old game we're playing now. Um, it's that they haven't got any staff to work the airports, which you've seen on the news and everything like that. That's right. So it's quite an interesting story. Uh, which takes us away from the COVID fucking bollocks. Um, um, but uh, people are trying to get on holiday, and I've tried my hardest, okay, um, Richie. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I've, I've, I've applied for this, license, that, license, this, license, that, license, just to get fucking onside. Sorry, I'm using the bad language. Hang on a second. Where exactly do you want to go, and what what's the red tape exactly? Is it tests? Okay, so Bristol Airport. Okay, so yeah, but where where do you want to travel to? Presumably, it's Ibiza, is it, or Spain? No, 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 no. Oh, no, no. Don't get me wrong here, Richie. I, I'm I'm trying to help the community get back on holiday. That's my little fucking goal at the moment. But how are you trying uh, to do that? Right, okay, so I'm going to try and work at the airport by doing baggage handling or something like that. So the the problem I've had, okay, is I went up and I turned up and said, right, okay, yeah, I've got a driving license. Yeah, that can drive a bus. Yeah, that's fine. And then they went, well, you've got to do the SIA. Right, and these are all legal things. That's okay, a that's I'll a that's a that's a security loaded. check. Yeah, okay. So they want to to check that you've not got a criminal record and all of that. So that's exactly. that, that's right. Exactly. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Okay. So I've done all of that. Okay, and then I went up and went and said, okay, right, give me a job. I'll I'll, I'll come down there and you know, of course, I'm going to blag a flight or something like that. You know, you know, because I'm working for a company. Uh, or EasyJet or something like that. No, 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 no. But they're going on television. They're going on television and radio today. Recruitment companies who are, um, they're, they're telling us that they are being screamed at by the airlines for staff, but they just can't get people. Well, that's what they're saying. A guy went well, on to BBC today, he said he had 30 positions. Richie, don't get me wrong here, they are desperate to get staff Desperate there. for staff, yeah. I'm saying, well, I've got all this, but it's not tickety-boo. It's like a, a month out there, and I'm not a fucking terrorist. Well, yeah, but no, fair play. Let's not, let's not get this wrong. They are looking after our safety, so that's fine. So I completely accept that. Right. I'm not really following you here, Marcus. Right. Okay, so what are you missing? You said you went out to get a job at the airport, Bristol Airport. You said you did what they asked you to do. You presented all the information they needed. They They did a background check. Now, presumably, the next, the next step would be if you were accepted, you would be inducted into some sort of training course. Well, That's I how it generally works, it's... right? Okay, so sorry, I, w- I wanted to interject there. Sorry, sorry, Richie. I, 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 
Right, okay, so my license holds an actual bus license, so that means I can drive a little mini bugs right. around and all that kind of stuff. That's fine. Okay, that's covered. Um, what's not covered is is my SIA license, okay? So how long is, does this take to come back then? So when they apply, when they, apply, when, when they use SIA to check into someone's background... Um, what, what's the, how, how, how long does that generally take? A month? Six weeks? Uh, no, three months. And therein lies the problem, right? That's exactly what the problem therein is. Therein lies the okay. problem, yeah. I, I, I presented them a licence which is um, a year old. They went, no, it's not good enough. And when you think about it, we are the 31st of May today. We yeah. are... We are two months away from peak travel season, which is in July. They're going to be cancelling thousands and thousands of flights because even if they get people now to come forward and apply for these jobs all across the airport, security, ground crew, catering, everything, it's going to take three months to clear them to work in the airport. Okay, so Richie, so I'll give you the lowdown, okay? This is... Uh, well, I'm getting it, I'm getting it now, I'm getting it now. It's disaster. It's heading for disaster. Nobody's going to be travelling. Nobody's going to be going anywhere in July. No, 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 no. Absolutely no chance. Now, we've got 30 seconds for you to wrap this up because the programme is just over. Yeah, Go ahead, Russ. Let's keep it because I'm, I, you know, I spoke to you four times in four years and I love speaking to you. And Hayden Hewitt is a legend. <laughs> um, but what's happened, okay, is that I have all these licences, yeah, I can drive a, a bloody bus. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I get I you. I get all bus. of that. I heard you. But they're not going to clear you for three months. No, it's ridiculous. That's, well, that's what I. It's, that's what I said. It's a disaster. So if they've got thirty, forty, fifty vacancies, as one recruitment agency said, he needs thirty ground crew people immediately. But um, he can't even get somebody to apply for it. From what you're saying, and I think oh, you're right. Let, let me finish. From what you're saying, I think you're right. Is, even if we're out of time, anyway, Mark, we're out of time. We've got to go. I'll catch you later on. We're 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 bang out of time now. Thanks, Marcus, for that. I I got that. The point is now, if they've got say two, three thousand, five thousand vacancies, and they can't get applicants for those vacancies, they're screwed. If it's going to take three months to clear somebody with an SIA check, which is looking into their background. This is all anti-terrorism stuff, of course. It's important at airports. They're not going to get the staff numbers they need for half-term uh, numbers of travellers, let alone summer holiday numbers of travels. And that's only two months away, uh, May, June. It's only two months away because it's, it's usually the last week or two in July, the last week, into the first two weeks in August. It's going to be chaos. I don't plan on travelling outside of the UK so it isn't going to affect me. Well, that's not me saying I'm all right, Jack. Uh, screw you. It's, uh, it's not going to affect me. It's, in, it's, in, it's insane. Like I said, I've got people, I know people who work around and in and at Manchester Airport and elsewhere. It is insanity there. And it has been for weeks at Manchester Airport. It's only getting uh, worse. That's it for the programme. Thank you so much for listening to it. Thanks to Hayden Hewitt earlier on. Do go to uh, lipsthemovie.com or go to gearpress.co.uk. Look for Octopus Productions there 
and do check out that excellent film by my excellent pal Hayden Hewitt until tomorrow uh, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday I'll back with you at 5 tomorrow bye now